Gracious God, by your Holy Spirit, feed us with your word so that we might be filled with the bread of life. Amen. Well, our scripture reading today tells that familiar story of the feeding of the 5,000. We'll start at the 13th verse, so let me kind of summarize what has just happened. Jesus and the disciples had just heard of the death of John the Baptist. John had angered a powerful politician named Herod. Herod, you see, had, he had taken up with a sister-in-law, Herodias, the wife of Herod's brother Philip. And John, John the Baptist had the audacity to say, that ain't right. That's not legal. <laughs> and it's not right either. So when Herod held a big birthday feast for himself, his niece did a special dance. And the translation that we use called it thrilling. He was so thrilled that he, he swore to give her anything she asked. Well, she spoke to her mother, and at her mother's suggestion, she asked for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And foolish Herod gave it to her. So John's disciples came, and they took his body, and they buried it. And then they went, and they told Jesus and the disciples what had happened. So now we come to the story. Listen now for God's word to us today in the 14th chapter of Matthew. We'll begin at the 13th verse. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion for them and healed those who were sick. That evening his disciples came and said to him, this is an isolated place and it's getting, it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, there's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here except uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves of bread and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, and broke the loaves apart and gave them to his disciples. Then the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full, and they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. About 5,000 men plus women and children had eaten. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh Lord, may our thoughts and may my words be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. With the experts at Berea Presbyterian Church playing to feed a crowd, they pretty much know what we'll need. How much barbecue? 10 pounds, I hear. <laughs> and slaw. How much fried chicken and so on. We've had enough fellowship meals and bereavement meals to have a pretty good idea of how to have just the right amount of food. Not so little that we'll run out and not so much that we'll go broke. <laughs> Any one of our planners would tell you that five loaves of bread and a couple of fish would not be nearly enough. And for sure, there wouldn't be any leftovers. 
So what do we make of the story of Jesus and the disciples out in the country with 5,000 hungry people? Well, actually 5,000 hungry men plus women and children. This passage was once the subject of a Sunday school lesson that I was supposed to teach, and even though I was teaching an adult class, I often find it very helpful to get the perspective of my young children, so I read this story to them and, and asked what they thought. Well, Paul III asked, why don't the people go to a restaurant or a grocery store and get something to eat? Well, I explained, they were way out of town. They didn't have cars and trucks and there were no nearby stores like Bojangles or Cookout or whatever where they could buy food. It wouldn't even a Carly C's or a 7-Eleven. This puzzled Sarah, who was, she was maybe three or four at the time, so she asked, why would people go out in the middle of nowhere and not take something to eat with them? She knew we didn't do that at our house. <laughs> I said that that was a good question that it had not been covered in all the commentaries and study Bibles I had read. It's a mystery. <laughs> well, the stories of Jesus working miracles eh, make some modern questions squirm. Some people try to provide some scientifically acceptable explanation. That is, they explain away the magical aspect of the story. Just for example, I've read of an explanation based on a a detail that Matthew didn't include in his version of this event. By the way, it's in all four Gospels, so they all thought it was this was an important story. <coughs> in the sixth chapter of John's Gospel, we read that a young boy offered his bread and fish. Well, this theory goes that people had food for themselves, but not enough to share. And that this young boy's generous willingness to share the very little he had inspired all those stingy adults to share what they had. It's kind of like that old uh, stone soup fable, you know, where the where hungry soldiers are in a, and they invite a stingy town to a stone soup dinner. And first they convince one person that, you know, we got the stone for our soup and a bunch of water, but it'd be a lot better if you had, a, you had an onion in it. And they convince somebody else, maybe a couple of carrots would make it even better. And, Someone else throws in a little meat, and eventually it ends up being a fine soup supper. So this way of explaining that miracle, or explaining away the miracle, it combines the stone soup idea and the boy and the five loaves and two fishes, and it makes for one of those inspiring America stories they like to end the TV news with, you know? Makes you feel good about people, right? Or... You can believe that Jesus worked a miracle, something that's beyond our understanding and beyond our ability to explain, something of a mystery. But don't worry about that part. What can we learn from this story? What does this story say to us? How can it help guide our lives today? Well, for one thing, it shows the importance of perspective, how we look at things. I mentioned before that that was what distinguished little boy David, you know, all those other people in Israel looked at that great big giant Goliath and said, hey, he's so big, I can't win. And little David looked at him and said, he's so big, I can't miss. <laughs> well, when you think about it, Jesus and the disciples, they had the same facts at hand. Huge crowd, not nearly enough food. 
They had the same information, the same facts, but Jesus had a different response. The disciples said, this crowd's getting hungry, send them away. But Jesus said, no need to send them away, give them something to eat. So what was the difference between Jesus and the disciples? Well, for one thing, the disciples considered only what they did not have. But Jesus considered what they had. You know, I, I worked for more than three decades as the psychologist for the services for the blind for North Carolina. And I worked with many, many people who just, they got stuck, they got focused on what they did not have. They didn't have vision, they didn't have a driving license, they didn't have the old job they had, they, they did not have. And ignored what they had. When disability or other loss comes, it's especially in adulthood, human tendency is to focus on what you lost. But when a person is moving into adjustment, people resolve not to let that loss spoil the rest of their lives. Another difference between Jesus and the disciples is that the disciples believed it was all up to them. That's why they were in a, we gotta do something, panic. They did not really trust God, that God was at work in the world. They were relying on themselves alone when they needed to trust in God. There are a lot of such stories in the, in the Bible. For example, in the, if you read the sixth chapter of Isaiah, the prophet tells King Ahaz that he does not need to worry about these Assyrian kings that are threatening him and his country but because they, they'll soon be gone. The message he, that Isaiah gives Ahaz is be still, be quiet, do not fear. Sadly, the king does not listen to God's prophet. And here's the problem. Fear leads people to make bad decisions. If we make political decisions or church decisions or personal decisions based only on fear, it's easy to get pushed into a bad decision. So one message from this story of the feeding of 5,000 is to not just consider what we don't have, but to value and use what we do have. Another message for us is that we need to remember that we are not in this life on our own all by ourselves. God is with us. We need to be still, be quiet, and not fear. We really need to trust in God. And while we trust in God, we, we've got a role in this too. Did you, notice, did you notice that Jesus did not feed that crowd of 5,000 directly? 5,000 men and probably an equal double number of women and children. Listen again to what Matthew said. He took the five loaves of bread and two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke the loaves apart, gave them to his disciples. Then the disciples gave it to the crowd. So first, he took, blessed, and broke the bread, and they distributed it to the crowd. So when we encounter human need, we need to be like the disciples, ready to, well, we don't need to be this way, but this is the way they were. Send them away. Ain't our problem. But our call, you see, is to compassion and to active ministry. When we encounter overwhelming need, 
We can be like those disciples, ready to give up. We got nothing here. Remember, that's how they started. Then they described that ridiculously inadequate food supply. You remember what they told them when we have nothing here except little fish and bread? Bring them here to me. You see, it's a mistake to encounter human need, such as hunger, and say, not my problem. But it's also a mistake to encounter a challenge and say, it's all up to me, me alone. We need to take those kind of needs and challenges to God, to the people of God. Now, you know that from experience that when a sermon title is a question, I sometimes ask you all that question at the beginning. Well, today's title is, Y'all Hungry? I already know you are. Those little cookies she gave you earlier, that was nearly enough, was it? You the hunger, you will be soon. So let me conclude with three things to remember. First, God calls us to be faithful, compassionate disciples. Second thing is God's work is in our hands. We have a role here. But the third thing is we are not in this alone. Yes, you and I have, have been promised the Holy Spirit who enables the love of God to break through in surprising, sometimes miraculous ways when we work together to bring about the love and peace and justice intended for all the children of God. Thanks be to God. Go now in the power and provision of Jesus Christ to feed the hungry, heal the sick, serve the needs of the world. And may the grace of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit be multiplied to you and through you, now and forevermore.